I'm Stephen, he's Chris, and this is Mobile Arcade Club, a show where we take a look at games from Apple Arcade each episode and talk about what works, what doesn't, and hopefully let you know if it's something you might want to try. On this episode, Chris enters the impossible world of Monument Valley, and I head to the links of Clap Hands Golf. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Mobile Arcade Club. Tonight, today, whatever time of day you're listening to, Stephen and I are checking out Clap Hands Golf, a Japanese golf game made by the same folks who are behind Everybody's Golf, quite a popular arcade golf series, and the ever-popular mobile game, one of the all-time classics of the App Store, Monument Valley, the Plus Edition, the nice remastered edition, part of the Apple Arcade remastered library. And I think we shall start with Monument Valley Plus because we played a bit of this, but ultimately we uh, ended up getting a little bit sidetracked on the links and uh, played <laughs> primarily uh, the the golfing uh sort of type of game so we'll start off with monument valley plus by us to london and for those who haven't played it uh, i think this one released was it late 2000s or early 2010s i really should have looked that up oh, beforehand but yeah gosh that's we're a, here a, now. a test of the memory but uh yes we can look into this while we talk <laughs> <laughs> yes, but essentially it's it's a, a puzzle game based around a story of forgiveness where you play as this little character who uh, works their way through these various monuments and these various structures to return these sort of mysterious, precious objects uh, to various altars and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I won't, won't go too deep into it uh, so for those who haven't played it you can experience it fresh yourselves but one of the most striking things about monument valley and it's you know very nicely remastered plus version is that all the puzzles revolve around these mc escher styled structures and these sort of drawings so for those who aren't too sure you know what the the mc escher refers to think of those drawings that are sort of like optical illusions where there's like never-ending staircases or you look at the drawing from different angles and you realize oh hang on that connects to that path or that that structure connects to another thing in a a very illusionist sort of way that you only realize the more you look at it and you sort of uh sends your, your head down a bit of a wormhole, doesn't it, Stephen? Yeah, it's a little bit these structures and the way that they move don't make sense in a my perception of physical space kind of way, but if it looks like they connect, then they do, and that's kind of the, the rule of the rule of law here is that if it looks like it connects, it does, and playing around with the with the area kind of yeah, it gets you to to go down that kind of path. It was, I remember this is yeah. It was I looked into it. It's about 2014. It originally came out, and it's one of the one of the earliest games I remember on on mobile that really show. I don't think it could have been done as well anywhere else. It's something that is totally made for mobile and without it being on a touchscreen, it just would not be as good a game. And that that element is absolutely still uh, still present here in the plus version. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. It's something that you you could possibly replicate it with a keyboard and mouse or with a controller 
analog stick, that sort of thing. But you'd you'd remove that layer of sort of tactile nature and sort of the, the tangible way of interacting with Monument Valley's puzzles because how it works is each sort of level is relatively standalone where you're trying to guide this character from sort of like the bottom of the structure to the top or at least from one end of this MC Escher style structure to the other and you're able to tap on various paths and locations to make your character move to that spot uh, if it's possible to do so but often you'll come across paths that are incomplete or that don't lead to anywhere or lead away from where you want to go to so that's where the bulk of your puzzle solving will be spent manipulating the structures that you're situated in which can involve rotating the structure or touching and dragging or sliding staircases to to rotate them or move them up and down where you'll find okay I'm looking at this structure at the start of the level and I cannot see any possible way of reaching the goal but by manipulating the various structures, the paths and other uh, sort of objects you encounter, you're able to sort of complete these puzzles and create paths that weren't previously there. So a staircase that previously led to nowhere, if you move it in just the right way, you'll figure out, oh, okay, that connects perfectly to this path that I'm already standing on. And it's so clever that how it's, uh, does so in such a clever way that you know leans into this MC Escher styled uh, style of art. In that you know it uh, you know it obviously fits with the structure in its original state, but as soon as you move it, you realise, oh, hang on, this can connect to multiple things at once. If only mm-hmm. you change the perspective, which is such a, a fascinating way of doing a puzzle, and the way that it's done just so elegantly is so satisfying to play with yeah it's something that i i don't know how someone would go about designing a puzzle like this because it just doesn't none of the movement none of the places you can the ways you can manipulate things in this it's all very intuitive but at the same time that sort of as we touched on before it doesn't obey the same rules of physical space and perspective that you would expect in regular life and 3d three-dimensional worlds that we all exist in it's just i don't know where where they start with it but it's just one of those things where i found myself getting generally the the solution to a puzzle presented itself if you just sort of played around with the environment enough and sort of what happens if i move this here and that there and it usually the solution presents itself if you're paying attention to what happens as you move things you'll see oh wait that that's connecting to somewhere i didn't think it could and that means i can walk over to this button which moves this thing and now i can move it over here and i suddenly have this entire new path open to me and it's a very it lends itself to a kind of toy-like way of interaction i think it obviously has the structure of a game but it is the way that it encourages sort of playful experimentation almost makes Mm. me uh, i enjoyed playing with it as a toy as much as i did conquering levels in a more video gamey sort of way 
Yeah, which reminds me of one of the earliest Apple Arcade games we played in down in Bermuda, uh, an Australian-made game which tapped into some very similar toy-like sensibilities in terms of the the fun and the joy of discovering the solutions to puzzles, or sometimes there wasn't a solution to a puzzle or it wasn't a puzzle at all. It was just fun to play around with an object because it Mm. responded so uh, cleverly to your input, to your touch, uh, that it was just very, very satisfying to look at and play with. And that's, I think, down in Bermuda did take some inspiration from Monument Valley as, I think, many puzzle games have since and you'd probably be silly not to considering how highly regarded monument valley is and has been since its release and part of that tactile nature of of playing with the structures and rotating and and moving elements and components or trying to navigate your way to the goal is you know a very very uh, very strong sound design, so pretty well everything you you drag or touch, uh, you know, makes you know satisfying sounds of like like bricks or structures moving. And when you uh, when you successfully activate something, whether uh, pressing a button or some some objects, when you drag them, they'll sort of like a wind chime. They'll chime or move uh, with you know. These, these gentle bells or whatever other uh, instruments are used as if you know moving some of these objects is sort of like playing an instrument so there's not only that that visual element and that touch element of playing with the puzzles but there's also a really satisfying audio and sound element as well which complements Monument Valley's utterly gorgeous uh, visual design as well there's just such lovely hues and vistas in the background of each of the levels uh these lovely colors that really pop against the what what i felt like the the structures and not that i'm one on you know you know grand history or or culture of you know structures and that sort of thing but some Mm. of the the way that the structures and buildings were designed sort of reminds me of some of the uh the the structures that you see reference in like ancient greece and that sort of stuff a lot of this white marble and and brick like uh, uh elements which looks really really nice yeah i really like that you brought up sort of the sound of how it sort of acknowledges you i feel like more so than so many games, like obviously you're not playing as that the sort of main princess character. I think Ida was was her name, but you are sort of you yourself are kind of a character in this world, and the world acknowledges you as such. And you know, as you touch and move things, it feels very tactile to do, but it also reacts audibly to the way that you that you move and touch things, and gives you all this audible feedback. It really just in a sort of whimsical way acknowledges your presence as a as a, a force that works upon this game world in a gay in a way that not many games have done i think something like tear away on the ps vita was fairly similar in how you kind of felt like wow i'm i'm touching and manipulating this world in a way that you don't really get in when you're using say a controller to do it you just something about the act of touching it and having this game world react to you in such a whimsical way just brings you into it and like nothing else really can yeah and another another analogy or another comparison i'd like to make is uh 
sort of a little bit of a left field one, but not that long ago I was playing the Astro's Playroom or the the Astro uh, packing game for PlayStation 5, Mm. where it is essentially a big tech demo. It's more than a tech demo because it's, it's pretty pretty good at what it does to, to show off the PlayStation 5's DualSense controller, which more and more of these controllers, like we had with the Nintendo Switch Joy-Con, uh, with the HD Rumble, mm-hmm. and with the DualSense, uh, there's a lot of sort of the haptic rumble, uh, but also the adaptive triggers and that sort of thing, trying to replicate a lot of these tactile responses to your in-game actions. And we've had motion controls for quite some years now which with each of these controllers that comes out they tighten it just a little bit more and that's the case with the dual sense and i recall you know playing this astros uh playroom or whichever iteration it was called for the playstation 5 and being really impressed at how well it replicates different textures or follows your motion or you know jams up the the trigger when you're trying to you know, do something with a bit of resistance behind it. But there's something still, there's still an element removed when you're using a controller and seeing something displayed on a on a display, whether it be a TV or a monitor. And I, I think of that, you know, when you're playing with some of like the collectible objects you can find, which are like historical PlayStation artifacts, like the, you know, the original PlayStation controller, mm. which, oh goodness, how old uh, <laughs> is... Um, you know, when, when you're moving your controller, you can see it move at a pretty well one-to-one ratio on the screen, but it's still not the same level of one-to-one interaction as there is on a touch display mm. like there is with Monument Valley because you, you touch and feel it. And yes, the, the iPhones and iPads and mobile devices have improved with enacting various vibration or haptic touch uh, feedback, which does add an extra element to that. But it's still something that's mobile gaming and I'm not sure how well many games fully take advantage of this, but it's something that mobile gaming still has over console or PC gaming is that direct interfacing uh, method of control, which is, when done well, it's... It's something quite magical. Yeah, it's something that, as you were talking about it, I was thinking if this game were made a bit more recently, I think it could really use the the haptic engine of recent iPhones especially to really just hit home that tactility of everything. It's got the visual feedback. It's got the audio feedback. If you could get some physical like feeling of scraping along a surface or thudding against the edge of a movable area, that would just really send it home. It's a bit of a... I'm not going to say a shame because it's a game from, what, uh, seven years ago. And if they were to do a full-on remaster or something, I suspect they might add those sort of haptic features. And I think that could really add something to this game. But, um, yeah, I guess we can only hope for either a remaster or another Monument uh, Monument Valley game in the future that might Im- involve those features. Yeah, well, there was a sequel released, I'm not sure how long ago after the original Monument Valley, but there is a Monument Valley 2, so it'll be interesting to see whether that gets the the plus treatment for Apple Arcade and whether it'll be mainly sort of a a visual sort of remaster so it fits with modern devices, or whether they'll integrate some of those 
extra features, but that remains to be seen. In the meantime, we really loved what Monument Valley put down, but we just couldn't drag ourselves away from Claphands Golf. My word, what's, uh, what a fun little game this is. Yeah, gosh, it's something I... I thought that it would be very easy to get me into this. I love, as I mentioned in the last episode, I am just just all about Mario Golf. I love those games. And it's just something about, I don't know, playing golf in a slightly, it's not simulation-y by any stretch, but it was a slightly kooky sort of version of golf just really just gets me in. And the way that this game is structured in its very very quick gameplay friendly you don't have to sit down for hours at a time to play it i found it really friendly to just quick sessions of you know one or two tournaments at a time it's really very easy to just keep playing as as long as you have time to do it it's just really really enjoyable and i think um yeah it's it's something that was well used sorry well well suited to mobile i think that they the way the golf game plays that I'm typically used to playing them with a controller and the controller is absolutely supported in this game, but I didn't really use it because I found the touch controls, you know, pretty, pretty darn good enough. And I didn't feel like bringing my controller with me, I guess, most of the time, but yeah, I had a, had a really good time with this one. Yeah, that certainly makes both of us. And for those who aren't familiar with Clap Hands Golf, I wasn't actually familiar with the series Clap Hands, or rather the the people behind it are named Clap Hands. So it's it's a golf series named after the studio. But they're the folks who are behind Everybody's Golf, uh, quite a popular Japanese arcade golf series on the PlayStation consoles, which mm. uh, had a pretty pretty well-received iteration on the PlayStation 4, which was followed by a VR version, which I, I have actually played a little bit of, and it's it's quite fun. But, yeah, so here with Clap Hands Golf, definitely retains the arcade focus as opposed to the, say, the hardcore simulation focus of the recent uh, 2K PGA game, uh, which that is... I can recommend that for those who are looking for a more serious experience. So it'll be interesting if 2K bring the simulation to mobile like they with uh, did with um, nba Indeed. but with clap hands golf uh it really focuses as steven alluded to on short sharp tournaments where you play around three holes per tournament or six holes or nine holes there's different variations but what I'm used to when I play golf games, because I enjoy quite a lot of sports and quite a lot of sports video games, and I've played quite a lot of golfing games over the years, and I think this is the first one that I've played that enacts a very tag team way of playing golf, whereas in uh, in the other games, you generally play as one golfer all the way through your round. And yes, you can play team multiplayer events, uh, you know, alternate ball or various Ambrose events with other players. But with Clap Hands Golf, each hole you tag team with a different character who has different specialties. And you can build your roster by winning tournaments and beating other characters in match play formats. Uh, but you get to pick your roster, your active roster, ahead of a tournament. So if you're playing a three-hole tournament, you've got to pick three characters from your roster, and they've all got different specialties or talents or you know strengths and weaknesses. Some are able to hit the ball further, while some may not have the same strength, but they've got greater 
accuracy control or they're better suited for tournaments during the rain which will decrease the amount of sideways movement if your swing is a a little bit iffy which uh goodness knows i need that in real life (laughs) but it's uh yeah it's it's a very novel way of approaching golf even for an arcade game where there are lots of different ways to approach golf and it's it's one that yeah is very well suited to, to short play sessions but because it's so fun and so easy to play just one more tournament just another one uh, it's very easy to to play quite a bit of this game in one sitting uh, so yeah I'm, I'm curious Stephen because I know you played a fair bit of the Mario Golf games, but not necessarily the, the hardcore simulation stuff. How did you find controlling Clapham's Golf? How did you find the controls? I found it relatively straightforward because as far as just... Yeah, he, he, is it putting when... What's it called when you just hit the golf ball and you're not on the... Uh green what i feel like there's a word for that <laughs> well putting is when you're on the green that's what i thought uh, what's the other and, one and <laughs> anywhere else you can just say hitting the golf ball oh, okay gosh i mean off off the off the tee <laughs> it's, it's it's driving if you're close it's an approach shot but essentially you're just hitting the ball let's go with hitting it's getting too complex um but yeah i found that fairly straightforward you can sort of double tap the screen to get a bit of a view of where your ball will likely go if you hit it well and use that as an indication of how much power you might want to put behind it so you can avoid particular hazards and things like that. And yeah, there's not a whole lot to it. You sort of tap, pull down, swipe back up again, and that will indicate how you know, the ball's trajectory, accuracy, how much power is behind it. So I found that fairly that basic control fairly straightforward. Where I I don't know if I wasn't paying attention, I didn't didn't know what was going on. I I found the game gives you a tutorial around how to set up, say, backspin, and I could never quite tell if I was doing it right. It seemed like if you just go a bit further beyond that initial target where you very first press the tap the screen, if you go beyond that, it looks like it should give you some backspin, but I'm not sure if the backspin is just really subtle to the point where I didn't notice it or if I was doing it wrong. I just can't, could never quite tell if I was doing it right, so I just just mostly went with fairly standard shots and that was fun enough. So I guess it's it might have the depth there if you know what the backspin's supposed to do. But if you're someone like me who's kind of just got no idea, I was still having a lot of fun with it regardless. Yeah, I think with the, the backspin in particular, I did find the controls for that, the touch controls at least. I didn't use the controller because it, it is a game that's so well suited just using touch controls mm. but the backspin i did find a little bit unwieldy because there there is sort of a line guide on the screen suggesting okay if you touch and drag down and up along this line or as close to this line as possible that's a straight shot um so depending on how far back you drag your finger along the screen and i realize i'm sort of miming this while i'm talking about it while (laughs) you know this is purely an audio format i think it's more just to guide what i'm saying but uh (laughs) yeah depending on how far back you drag your finger on the screen that will dictate the level of power you're putting into the the shot so you know between zero to 100 percent shot power um and it's your follow through that determines how much spin there is. So if you follow through all the way, sort of the same distance that you dragged back, then it'll be, uh, you know, 
a top spin shot where it'll roll a bit further on but if you if you stop dragging forward or you lift up just after the point required to, to actually hit the ball that's when it'll do uh, do backspin but it's oh. it's a little bit it's it's a little bit unwieldy and sometimes i found that uh, whether due to user error or just you know this is one of those areas where touch controls can be a little bit cumbersome uh, is that uh, sometimes when you feel like okay yeah i've dragged up uh, quick enough to do some backspin uh, it'll show you feedback afterwards of you know the line that you dragged uh, it'll show me afterwards uh, no you actually you know went further than you thought or you went on a different line than you expected because depending if you drag left or right then you can impart draw or fade on the ball which means it moves left or right in the air that sort of thing mm-hmm. so there's there's a decent level of customization with with your shots um, which speaking of customization so with with your characters because they're set in what their different specialties are you you do level them up through winning and participating in events so they do get better in their respective strengths however they do also have their favorite clubs to use so sometimes a player will be best out of bunkers so their best club is a sand wedge which means that if you for whatever reason or if you make a mistake and your line that you draw when doing a swing is a bit skew if then it will it will sort of forgive you a fair bit and it won't go you know much to the left or right because that's that character's strength so you get a fair bit of room for error there, whereas someone who isn't, you know, you might find your shot goes way off to the left if you accidentally drag to the left. Um, But one area I found this to be a little bit strange was where, so other characters have favourite clubs that are, you know, designed for longer shots, such as a three iron or a driver or that sort of thing. Sometimes I'd find characters to be 30 or 40 yards from the green, which is generally pretty close so you only need to do a small shot with a a lower club which uh, for the non-golfers out there lower clubs have a higher number it's sort of like photography and aperture but anyways it's a (laughs) another discussion altogether but um sometimes i would find i'd be very close to the green and it would automatically designate the character's favorite club to to hit from that area they would still set sort of uh, saying, okay, this is the the distance percentage that you want to go for to go the distance that you want. Uh, but if you're using such a large club to do what is a short shot in the first place, if you accidentally go just a little bit over, then that difference in yards is quite significant com- mm. in comparison to if you're using a smaller club. So for, for me, who's quite experienced with golf games, I'm able to be alert to that and swap to a different club or know the the risks that I'm taking. But I do fear that for those who aren't as experienced with golf or very sport games, that they may think, oh, it's given me the three iron from 40 yards out. 
surely this must be the best club to use. Whereas it may not go as far left or right, but if you go too far with your shot, then it'll go a long way past. Yeah, definitely. I remember when that first came up, it's sort of when I was just on the on the fringe of the green and it was like, hey, this character's favourite club is a three iron or something. I think that's what it was. And it, it mentioned that that'll be the one that they're most accurate with. And so it might not seem to make sense, but it might be worth trying to use this even if the situation doesn't appear to call for it and yeah like you said it's one of those things where it does tell you 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 might only want to do 25 percent power and they might be much more accurate but if you you know slide your finger a little bit further than you need to which on a small phone it doesn't take very much to get you know down to the difference between 20 percent and say 30 40 percent is a matter of millimeters to a centimeter it's Mm. not hard to to go way over and i did that a few times so yeah it's good that the game explains it to you in the first place but um yeah be be aware of that i think it's for me at least i found being aware of it and then swapping back to what seemed like a more reasonable club to use in that situation with yeah ended up being a, a much better outcome for me and my uh, fat fingers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah, it, it's something that um, yeah, as as I said, it sort of makes sense to to those who sort of understand the terminology of golf and that sort of thing. I, I don't think I well, I I do believe clap pans golf is approachable, and it's it's not a like it's it's not a difficult game to get started with but it's one of those ones where if you want to shoot for the lowest scores possible then you do need to understand sort of the more advanced techniques and i feel like it doesn't doesn't do an excellent job of teaching some of those more advanced techniques or that sort of thing because a lot of it is shown in sort of these pre-animated tutorial sections where they're they're not interactive Mm -hmm. so they can't they can't say okay try doing a backspin shot or try giving a shot uh some draw or something like that and then you try and do it and then it'll give you feedback saying okay you did this try and do this instead whereas yeah because it's in sort of like this video format where it plays it out automatically for you and doesn't let you experiment and get instant feedback uh it's yeah it, it, it can be a little bit tricky in that regards but um yeah but yeah. other than that with 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 the characters um i found the character designs to be rather intriguing uh because um some of them i felt the the design of the characters were a little bit um i'm trying to find the best way to put this some of them sort of looked like that Overwatch, Disney, Pixar, almost DreamWorks style of character. And then some of them sort of look closer to the Japanese anime style, which I I found a little bit bit of a visual clash at times because uh, some of the characters didn't look like they belonged to the same game. Yeah, I definitely got the same vibe. Some of them, yeah, as you say, I found most of them in that sort of Disney, Pixar, big eyes, really exaggerated body shapes and stuff and then hmm. yeah when you've got you know, someone who steps straight out of naruto it's like what are you what are you doing here what's going on i did find the characters though they were probably one of my main incentives to keep playing is 
I'm a kind of person who really likes unlocking characters and having new mm. new people to play as, and that was the carrot on the stick that mainly got me to to keep going. There's always I don't know a new a new color to unlock, a new character, or a new outfit. There's some sort of customization that I can unlock, and I that's just it's cheese to my mouse. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, it's f- funny you mentioned the uh, the animal analogy because uh, there's there's a character uh, who I quite enjoy using in Clap Hands Golf. Uh, her name is Rosie, uh, and a week before recording this, our beloved family cat Rosie uh, sadly passed away uh, suddenly. Uh, but just as sort of a, a little, you know, keeping the memory alive, you know, I like using like using the character Rosie, who funnily enough has sort of like a, a a hip pouch in the shape of a cat that uncannily looks quite similar to the cat Rosie. So oh, there you uh, it's go. Uh, isn't that yeah, delightful? So, so yeah, I did find that quite funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do do enjoy using the, the character Rosie and envision I will uh, for the foreseeable future and uh, you know keeping keeping the memory alive and uh, you know imagining how funny it would be seeing a cat play golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's lots of characters to unlock. Hopefully, one's a cat. Probably not, but a man can dream. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. But yeah, I, I think that pretty well sums up uh, most of my thoughts on Claphand Golf. Uh, as someone who's played a lot of golf games over the years and is very much looking forward to the new Mario Golf game, uh, game coming out next month, I think, on Nintendo Switch, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with Claphand Golf and will likely revisit this one every now and then for a little bit of mobile golfing fix. Yeah, I can definitely see this one sticking on my phone. It's one of those ones where it has a bit of depth if you want to look for it, but if you just want something to to hit a ball at a hole and tee break at work, which is exactly what I did for most of my play, it's yeah, really good even if you don't want to get into that sort of depth. It's just a, a fun sort of arcade golf experience. I really liked it. Yeah, well, Apple Arcade sort of is covering the the full spectrum here. They've got what the golf for people who hate golf, just and absolutely now they despise golf. Play play what yeah, the golf then. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's you know as far removed from the the sport of golf as possible, <laughs> while retaining some semblance of a golfing theme. Mm. And then you've got clap hands golf, which while an arcade experience at heart, does actually have a fair bit of uh, you know deep golfing gameplay elements to it which uh you know there's there's something for everyone quite literally mm, we just need like a pga tour to to complete the full spectrum oh geez i <laughs> i i don't think anyone would hear from me for weeks if if that came out i i would be on that so fast well i guess that's probably about the as good a time as any to talk about what we're going to be playing next uh next episode of the mobile i Clade. Arcade, Mobile Arcade Club podcast. Um, so, Chris, what have you chosen? Yeah, I've chosen one sort of on on a bit of a bit of a cat theme, uh, perhaps somewhat inspired by sort of recent uh, recent household events, but also because it just looks quite delightful. Uh, I've chosen Simon's Cat Storytime by Tactile Games Copenhagen, uh, which is based on an animated web series, which I will admit I wasn't familiar with it, but apparently it's been a thing since the late 2000s. So there you go, Uh, which, yeah, sort of bases within the universe of this animated series with match three gameplay and uh, what looks to be a lovely story about community. 
Lovely. I That would explain why I recognised the image of Simon's cat. I had no idea what they were called, but I've seen that cat before. And if that's a long-running web series, that explains it. Um, my choice is a little less, uh, I wouldn't call it delightful, but hopefully it's fun <laughs> in its own right. Uh, survival Z, Survival Z, depending on where in the world you are from. Um, but yeah, it's from Ember Entertainment out of Seattle in the US, and it's billed as a roguelike tower defense. So yeah, keen to see what's going on there. Indeed. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and we look forward to hearing from you or uh, seeing your tweets on the timeline next time. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you had fun and maybe found something useful. If you did enjoy the show, we'd love it if you told a mobile game-loving friend about it or gave us a review in Apple Podcasts. It all helps more people find the show. You can follow the show on Twitter, at MArcadeClub, where we'll talk about games from upcoming episodes, and each of us hosts are happy to chat gaming too. Our handles are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next time.